You are listening to Supernet Radio. All right, Commando here, Saturday afternoon. I'm live from Cape Cod talking with uh, Chris, uh, whose handle is Killichem. Uh You see him out on Slack all the time, and he's one of the developers of uh, Fibercoin, the new addition to the Supernet, uh, just uh, members of uh, this week. Uh First thing I want to clear up, uh, Chris, is uh, we were we were touting this interview as uh, calling you the lead developer. That's is that's not so. What's what's the deal on that? How many members you got in the development team, and uh, what's the hierarchy? Yeah, so I'm the founder of the Flab project, and I also head up the project. So my main areas are marketing, and I also see oversee development. Um, our development team consists of two in-house developers. Uh, our lead developer, Mamix2, is quite a well-known crypto developer. Um, he developed the first X13 and X15 coins, so he's got his own personal accolades himself. Um, our other developer is uh, called Bobby6Killers. He's also another very talented uh, C++ developer knows a lot about uh, blockchain technologies and, and cryptography. Um, but we also have a quite a large pool of freelance developers that we call on as required. Wow, that's... Uh, now, uh, Manix2, did he actually develop the algos themselves or did he just uh, utilize them in developing these other uh, coins? I believe that he just utilized the algorithms and he didn't actually create them. Okay, so uh, Manix 2 was, uh, boy, that sounds like a pretty strong lot there. Uh, how long have, uh, have all of you guys been involved in crypto? How about a little bio on yourself and how you, how you, how you all got involved? I understand you guys have known each other for quite some time. Yeah, um, so I mean the core of the fiber team is myself, Manix 2, Bobby Six Killers, MX and Krushang. Um the founding core of the team was myself, Mamix, and Krushang. We've all known each other for over eight years now. We we met through uh, through friends and whatnot. Um, I see. So, and what was the uh, when you decided to? Uh, so you were did some mining beforehand, or got involved uh, in the crypto? Uh, just were aware of it, and were involved in Bitcoin, and then decided to do your own coin and. What, uh, how did that all come about and what were your uh, goals for starting a coin, for, for, for making a coin? Yeah, so, um, I mean, Mamix too, he's been in crypto since uh, early 2003, but myself, I've not actually been in crypto that long. I mean, people wouldn't believe that I probably got into crypto two months before we actually started Fiber. Okay, when was that? When, when was the, uh, the proof of uh, work begun? And completed, you know, how long did it take? Um, the proof of work lasted around two and a half weeks. It was actually supposed to last 30 days, but because um, because Fibers a, was a POS, POW hybrid, there was quite a lot of staking going on and quite a few blocks actually went to people staking. So it only actually lasted two and a half weeks. Yeah, real popular. That, that that can happen. Now, I also saw uh, the, you, the, something that I hadn't seen before on your website under tech specs. You had what you called an anti-instamine, which was block 2 to 200. What That was zero coins. What was that about? 
Um, so quite often with coins when they're released, people point a huge amounts of uh, mining power at those coins and um, due to how the difficulty adjusts, it allows them to mine a large amount of coins in a, a very short period of time. So people basically get the jump on others that are quicker. I know that some people have got um, actual scripts that monitor Bitcoin talk and as soon as a new thread's created and it's got a post count of zero, they actually have automated mining rigs that will just point at the coin and start actually mining it. And they, they get a huge advantage over other people that are mining the coin. So what you can do is you can, um, you can put anti-insta mining that will actually adjust that difficulty to make sure that that doesn't happen. And I mean, that sort of feeds into um, exactly what we were trying to achieve with Fiber. I mean, Fiber wasn't the kind of coin that started and it had this... Uh, unique niche about it we were going to uh replace paypal or, or something like that we literally just thought that if we started a coin and it was completely fair for everybody from the mining period all the way through that it, it just would get adopted and it would become popular and it was so correct and i mean at the time no one had really seen um aggressive development like what we brought to the table i mean in six weeks we delivered practically most of the features that we have now. Right. The, so it was just super, super aggressive development. Right. And why, uh, another question I get, uh, and I get people that are wondering about is why so few coins at 625 initially, and I guess you're up to about 627, 628, uh, 628,000 in existence. Now, why is such a low, uh, a low total there in the total amount of the coins. I mean, we did want to have a low coin count um, to, to make fiber rare. I definitely uh, think that coins that have a, a fewer coin count are more rare and do normally have a higher price because of that. Um, and it comes back to uh, the POS staking going on during POW. We estimated there to be uh, 1 million coins after POW, but due to the high volume of staking, that, that number was reduced significantly, and there's actually only around 650,000 coins. Wow. Now, 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 I'm a little unclear on that. What uh, you were expecting a million? Yeah. And it only ended up 625. And uh, and why was that? Because the the period ended. the The block height uh, got to the point where the the proof of work was over. Exactly. And the reason why it got there with a, a lower coin count that we expected was because there was so much staking going on. So I'm not I sure see. I see. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, I see. I see that. Yeah. OK. Now, exactly. uh, when it comes to staking, uh, you stake at five percent and uh, that helps with the now. Correct me if I'm, I'm wrong. I want to go through this quickly because I know uh, you're pressed for time. The uh, the uh, staking is at five percent and it helps the health Indeed. of the network. And it uh, also uh is there uh there's is there any other uh benefit besides the fact that you get your and I, your the wallet is really slick i i, I bought some uh, fiber coin myself uh last week and the wallet's really slick updates really really fast the blockchains come right on uh not like a lot of other wallets where uh there's some some lag time getting those blockchains loaded really really smooth and uh fast and 
the staking comes in like every 20 minutes or so. I'm getting small amounts, but they're coming in every 20 minutes, which is, you know, that's exciting right there. People they might do. be it's less to season. see it. Yeah, it's less coming in, but it's it, it sure helps to know that everything's working. And um, now, uh, what uh, are there any transaction? Are there any other fees that uh, Fibercoin collects from anything at all? Or uh, how uh, how it, it's just the staking that maintains the uh, blockchain? Exactly, yeah. So um, like Bitcoin has POW mining, our blockchain is secured via POS. So it's people actually having those wallets in, uh, sorry, having those coins in their wallet and that actually helps secure the network. And I mean, uh, it gives people a 5% interest on the actual coins that they hold. So it gives an added incentive to actually hold those coins and, and keep them stored in your wallet, which is exactly what we need as, as altcoins. We don't want everybody holding all of their coins on the exchange. You want people with those coins in the wallet securing the network. Yeah, exactly. Now, so are you looking for for people that are looking to uh, increase their uh, value uh, in a uh, an absolute sense? Does does that mean that uh, the value will be in the coin itself, or uh, and I want you to get into some of these uh, items that you've developed. Because I got a lot of questions about those too, but uh, is there going is there going to be uh, any plans for revenue production by uh, fiber? There is indeed. Yeah, I mean, one of the first uh, features that will generate revenue is going to be zero trust. I mean, at this time when we when we actually release it, users are not going to be able to run nodes and earn fees because. There's various issues um, around doing that, and we haven't got to the bottom of all of them. And I mean, um, one of one of the plus points with fiber is that I mean, I haven't really gone into my background, but I've worked in IT for the last 15 years. I've worked as a solutions architect, mainly in banking for the last 10 years. So I've got a really good understanding of uh, technical architecture. Um, Change management, change management procedures, release management procedures. So we actually run our in-house development just like an enterprise IT department. We've got all of the procedures in place that you'd see in any large organization. And what that allows us to do is anything that we actually release is ready. I mean, we have internal testing, then we have private better testing, then we have public better testing before it's actually released out to the to the public. So uh, Zero Trust, which we'll get to, is uh, going to be coming out in uh, at, when it does. That will produce revenue. And this your uh, Fiber Connect, Fiber Dark, and Fibros are uh, part of, are already uh, secure, tested, and good to go. Is that is is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, they're they're being used out there in the wild. I'm, I mean, I know a lot of people that um, that use Fiberlock and FiberOS as well. Um, I also use our Bitcoin wallet that has Fiberlock in it. All right, now and I know I know a few other people that do as well. You know what I've forgotten is what uh, in in how long ago was the proof of work? How long has Fiber been in existence? Um, it seems like a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, well, it has been in crypto. Anything over two crypto, months? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think we're approaching seven months now. Okay. Yeah, that's. I mean, uh, the, 
the fact that we're still here is a, should be a good indicator to people because most coins normally die out within the first sort of two months and then the developer normally vanishes in the third month. So if, if you're holding a coin and the developer's still there, the guy, they've still got a team that's active after six months, it's normally a good sign. Well, Veracoin is only nine or ten months old. You're not talking May of last year for Veracoin. So, yeah. uh, and uh, the fact that you uh, got into Supernet now, the um, now this Fiber Connect is uh, is messaging encrypted messaging, and then yep. the uh, then you get into the Fiber Dark where uh, you can hide your uh, IP address and location while you're on the Fiber Network, and then the Fiber Network is it's this anonymous secure. Uh, operating system that I see some people putting down, uh, trying to trying to diss the fiber a little bit and put some pressure on yeah. you guys about the fact that it isn't unique and that it yeah. was it's really just an Ubuntu thing. But uh, I don't see that as I mean you my and I'm not a real technical guy, but it's one thing to have a system like Ubuntu in place, but then. To turn it into something that's usable is is where the the uh, cleverness and uh, the uh, talents of the developers come in, and and also which intrigues me is this is loadable onto a thumb drive, a USB drive. It is indeed, yeah. Well, how about laying that out? How 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 how's that all work, and uh, how do you respond to those people about? I want to give you time to uh, rebut these uh, people that have uh, been. Uh, not not entirely accepting of the inventiveness of uh, the OS, the fiber OS. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy that you touched on that because I've I've heard it all, and fiber OS was actually my creation. So um, I think if anyone's best suited to talk about it, it would, it would be me. I mean, it's not a custom developed OS. Um, I mean, the amount of development resources that a project would have to have at hand to actually develop their own operating system would would just make it impossible. What FibreOS is a custom-built, optimized, and hardened Ubuntu environment. We've basically stripped out everything, and it's just got the bare, bare minimum in to allow you to run the wallet, connect to the network, and actually use your coins. And there are a few other projects that have got their own OS. Um, I haven't used it, but uh, XC Coin have got their own OS. Um, at the time when we released Fiber OS, I'm not sure if this is still accurate, um, ours was the only persistent OS. So when a user uh, powered down a device and unplugged their USB, there was actually persistence. Your coins would actually stay on that USB device. And in the, in the initial stages of planning with Fiber OS, we had to make the decision of do we make it persistent or non-persistent so a user pulls that usb stick out and it reverts back to the way it was before they actually booted off of it or is it persistent and it holds um it holds any data that's written to it i.e your coins and the pros and the cons um for for persistency just overwhelmed non-persistency because most users of of crypto are not highly highly technical 
Listen, now, one of the questions I had, I was going to, I'm glad you, uh, this is going really uh, well. You're getting right into the stuff I wanted to ask Nesk because I had a question about what persistence meant. And that last bit of explanation you had pretty much explained it where it's uh, where the, the data to the USB device will uh, be, uh, uh, you know, permanently on that USB device, that's what you're calling persistence? Exactly, yeah. Okay, great. That's, uh, man, I, 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 that, that, that whole idea of the USB device sounds good. And, that, and that's a problem that people are unaware of technologically, how, how difficult it is to attain that persistency. Indeed, I mean, we looked at um, using TELS in the, in the very beginning, but the um, persistency features that come with TELS just were not fit for purpose. There was uh, lots of bugs that actually um, stopped the, the actual persistency working, and that's why we ended up going with a uh, custom-built Ubuntu build. All right. uh, for people out there, what is uh, TELS? So it's... Um, a Linux derivative that is a super secure and super private operating system. Okay, it's, it's used by um, a lot of a lot of people that just don't want their connection to be monitored. They don't want anyone to know what they're doing. So somebody who could be uh, providing state secrets or um, somebody that's doing illicit activity. I mean, it has got tells has got. Um, actual genuine users that are just concerned about their privacy, but it has got quite a bad rep for being used for other things. And I mean, there was, there's also talk of um, literally doing a Google search for tells will get you on an NSA database. I mean, I don't know how true that is, but <laughs> yeah, well. but, um, yeah it, it, it's been said. So, um, yeah, Well, according to Edward Snowden, everybody's on the NSA database anyway. We are you know, indeed. We yes. Are, so, yeah. uh, well, I mean, I mean, that's what people don't understand is every, it seems like gen, the general public is always on the dark side of uh, crypto and what it can do. And just the industrial secrets that I mean, if you got the the uh, the formula to Coca-Cola and you want to send it to a new plant in uh, India, you don't want to send that over an open uh, source or anything that anybody could do. I mean, uh, people have plans to build aircraft and uh, formulas for different uh, cleaning products or uh, drugs or whatever. These things need to be uh, security is tantamount. That's what the industrial espionage is about. Exactly. So these things, so you got messaging, you got uh, uh, some anonymity from the IP, and then you got the system. And uh, those are all together. And uh, and then the other question I got to ask before we go on, I want to ask more about this, what you can tell me about zero trust. But uh, the, the other elephant in the room is your affiliation with BlockNet and what what, what brought you to them. And then uh, how, how do you end up with uh, in uh, SuperNet? So our relationship with um, BlockNet began with uh, Dan Metcalf. Our lead developer, Mamix2, has uh, built quite a good relationship with um, Dan Metcalf. I know they bounce, were bouncing ideas off each other from time to time. And Dan just uh, basically came to us and said that he's starting this project called BlockNet. Um, do we want to be a part of it? And we'd actually had conversations internally in our team um, 
about a, a similar sort of concept, but we'd sort of shelf the idea because we had many other things going on. So the fact that they'd actually come to the table with it was just perfect. It was a perfect fit for us. And uh, that's why we joined. All right. And then, uh, so now, so you joined BlockNet and then, uh, you know, what they've been around, you know, three, four months now, and now yeah. you've moved over into the SuperNet camp. So uh, people want, people like to know what, uh, any reasons for that. And, and, uh, and also the, uh, a lot of curiosity about the financial arrangements that you made uh, as far as I know it's a standing, standing procedure for James who James Lee, who runs SuperNet, to require ten percent of any coin that goes into uh, a special holding account in SuperNet, and uh, we're, we're, what was uh, entailed in all of those financial arrangements? Um, so it basically started with uh, one of my team members, MXX. He is our community manager. Um, created a channel on Slack for Fibro and was actually um, contributing on there. And he did actually say to me, uh, you need to join the SuperNet Slack and come and actually see what's going on. They've got a ridiculous amount of developers. They've got a large community. Um, Basically, come and have a look. Um, So I did, and pretty soon after, I entered into talks with uh, ETH. Um. As far as the 10%, um, I basically reached out to our community, to our investors, with a message on Bitcoin Talks that literally read, anybody holding more than 10K Firebar, PM me. That was literally my message. And I got probably 10 PMs within a few hours. So then it was a case of us actually getting all of those guys onto IRC and actually breaking the news to them. Those were the first guys that actually found out outside of, uh, outside of my team and outside of the SuperNet team. Um, and instantly they all agreed. Um, they all thought that it was best for Fiber and it was a good move for the future of Fiber. Um, an interesting fact, um, 10% of our coin supply was uh, 62,000. 30,000 of that 62,000 come from one individual. Wow. And I mean, it, it was hard because you're asking people to hand over Firebar, but then they're thinking, but it's going to get pumped when we join Supernet. So it, it was sort of, we had to sort of explain that this is going to be the best for Firebar and, and actually really sell it to them. But Everyone was pretty much on board. And I mean, the reason for joining Fiverr, uh, sorry, SuperNet, was because I had mm. numerous community members, numerous investors contact me just saying, what's going on? BlockNet seems stagnant. Nothing's happening. Have you actually seen what's going on with SuperNet? Um, I think that we should move. And I've received lots and lots of messages like that. And I mean, I, I, shared, I shared that fact with the guys over at BlockNet, they were well aware that I was getting pressure from, from the community about actually leaving BlockNet. And this was, about, this was about a month and a half ago. And I mean, I, I, sat, on, I sat on this information and this decision to, to actually leave BlockNet and join SuperNet was not an easy decision to make because I have actually built 
quite a good working relationship with the Blocknet guys, but to head up a project like Fireball, you've got to make decisions. That totally so actually, so what you're saying, it was really a grassroots movement in a lot of ways uh, by the uh, the fiber community who saw what was going on in or keeping their ears to the ground and paying attention to what's going on and knew about Blocknet, Ethereum, Supernet, and all the, uh, the latest movements in the crypto world. And they said, hey, the Supernet is looking awful good. We ought to look into this, which is a sign of a nice, good, solid community. So you were getting that kind of groundswell of of enthusiasm for Supernet, and then you went into Slack, checked it out, and uh, it just confirmed everything that I've been told. Right, and then and then the community, the fiber community, stepped up with the resources to make the deal. Yes. Now, did did Fiber receive anything as far as shares of Supernet or anything to distribute to the uh, the people who uh, dipped into their pockets to yeah, uh, yeah. to do so, it? Yeah, so we didn't take any of the Supernet assets that were were acquired from the ten percent. They went to the investors that actually provided the Fiber. Well, uh, and how many of the Supernet assets did uh, you was were acquired by uh, the Fiber community? I don't actually know the top that figure off the top of my head. Okay, I mean, I I I, I don't I know. That's one of that, my team members will pitch in. I know they're around. Okay, is glad uh, you know. All right, I'd like to know that. That's uh, that's getting into the kind of questions that a lot of people don't want to ask. I'm glad you're willing to come up with that and talk it over with your team. You know, basically, it, it, it's none of my business. You know, really, no, no, no. but um, that's the I mean, that's the question people want to know. Yeah, I mean, as far as I'm aware, that that information's public. Um, and it's my, James, it's my, it, James and ETH uh, uh, give the community great visibility. I'm sure if anyone wanted to know what went on behind the scenes with that deal, they could have all of the information. I mean, uh, at, quite a few of our community members know exactly what went on with that deal. Uh, that's one of the selling points of Fiber that from day one we've given our community 100% visibility. I always like to make everyone in our community feel like they can touch us Absolutely. at any time of the day. That's what's great about James, and I'm sure that's what a pre, what what uh, when you got into the Supernet Slack and saw his uh, presence almost on a daily basis, and how he's available to everybody for questions. Listen, I got one question. We'll get the questions at the end, uh, but I got one question real quick. Is uh, some people are asking about where's the best place to download uh, the Fiber uh, Wallet? Uh, from our website. Okay, so it's www.fibercoin.com. Get out there. You can get all of that. And now the other question is a lot of this uh, stuff is proprietary. It's closed source. What's uh, what what what's open source? What's closed source? And what, uh, there are plans to go open source, but there has to be a code review of some sort? There is indeed. So right now the only uh, – features that are open source are our Tor-based features. So if you download the source and build it yourself, it will have all of the Tor features in, but Fiberlock um, won't be in there and Zero Trust won't be in there. But as part of joining Supernet, um, the guy, when we actually did the tech review, the guys were not happy of the fact that we were closed source and we did actually have to open the source up to the tech review team. So they have actually had eyes on our source code, but um, we're going to make a really big push over the next few months to um, release FiberOS 2.0, FiberLock 2.0, um, actually go through a round of security audits and also obfuscation of the code so that although, because I mean, 
we've got to protect our features at the end of the day. Open, I'm a big believer of open source, but in crypto where there's so much copying and pasting going on and cloning, it's just like if you release really good features open source and they will, they will just end, pop up in another coin within a matter of weeks. So you can use obfuscation, which will actually hide that code, basically make it so that it's not easy for anyone to uh, copy and paste. And we're actually going to use um, a SuperNet developer for that, for that actual task. So there's a bit of collaboration going on there already. I see. Is it uh, a, a developer or a specific coin? Uh, it's Base Guitar Man of Opal Coin. Oh, yeah, I know Base. Yeah, so we've been speaking quite a lot since we joined Supernet. He's a, he's a really cool guy, really, really talented developer. Well, I'll tell you what, I call him the wonder kind. My goodness, <laughs> I, I did an interview with him about Opal when Opal was admitted to the, uh, to the Supernet, and uh, I was uh, really impressed. All right, now, uh, this thing, you mentioned uh, Fiberlock, uh, and uh, and then th- that uh, comes became before this zero trust, which is what you're preparing to uh, get ready to go as your next project. What what are they, and uh, how are they going to work, and how, how do they interact with uh, with the supernet? So, as part of bringing out FiberOS 2.0 and FiberLock 2.0, that's basically us readying them for supernet. So there's there's been loads of uh, recommendations and uh, required updates suggested by some of the Supernet developers to uh, Fiberlock that we're going to be implementing over the next couple next couple of months. Um, I mean, for those that don't know, Fiberlock is a Android-style pattern-based lock system for the wallet. So instead of using your keyboard to enter your passphrase as traditional, um, you actually draw a pattern with your mouse and I mean the, the majority of key loggers that are, that are actually logging key presses will not pick it up now I know there are some advanced um, some advanced key loggers that can actually take screenshots and uh, record mouse movements but the majority of actual malware will not be uh, actually doing that so it does give you increased security over um just a simple passphrase, but in Fiberlock 2.0, we're going to be changing things significantly. Um, we're going to go more down the road of... Um, it will be a similar system to some of the uh, banking two-factor authentication that you see in some of the uh, mobile banking applications. One of the ideas that's been touted is um, having symbols in each point on the patterns that actually change every time you start the wallet. So you will never enter the same pattern twice. And I mean, that's just one of the ideas that's, that, that's been put out there. But I mean, expect Fiberlock 2.0 to be a lot more secure and offer a greater level of security to not only the Fiber community, but also the SuperNet community. Now, Fiber OS and Fiberlock, people have raised that they're not revenue generating services. And that is correct. They are not revenue-generating services, but they will add value to SuperNet. If we can make, if we can uh, implement Fiberlock 2.0 into all of the SuperNet coins and implement all of the coins' wallets into FiberOS and offer the SuperNet community a, a more secure, more private operating system to actually 
use of coins, and I think that we're adding value to Super. Well, that's uh, that's the SuperNet style. That's uh, Bowberry was uh, basically uh, a uh, a non uh, acquisition because it ha- it addresses the blockchain bloat, and then uh, Bitcoin Dark, which James was a prime developer of. Uh, had telepathy, and then when he started developing uh, SuperNet, he came up with this telepathy. So uh, I, I would think that, that that would be a natural fit to uh, if you could run uh, FiberLock and your security uh, things through, uh, inter- integrate them into using uh, the Bitcoin dark telepathy and uh, teleport. It's just going to be all the more secure. It's like more and more levels that uh, people would have to uh, break through to uh, be able to uh, uh, compromise the privacy of uh, people do sending messages in transactions. Indeed. I mean, that's, that is definitely a possibility. Um, one of the reasons why we actually joined SuperNet was because of some of the brilliant innovations that are actually going to come to from SuperNet that we can actually bring to the fiber community. But um, just while we're talking about Bitcoin Dark, I'm, when we joined SuperNet, I did actually keep an eye on the uh, SuperNet thread on Bitcoin Talk, but I didn't actually interact because I've learned from the BlockNet fiasco at the beginning that you can get drawn into arguments that you are never going to win. Sometimes it's just better not to engage people. But I did keep an eye on the comments and quite a few people ri- raise the fact that um, SuperNet already had a Anon, as you would call it, coin in Bitcoin Dark. And as far as they were concerned, Fiber was another Anon offering joining SuperNet. I can tell everybody categorically, Fiber is not an Anon coin. The only reason why we've gone down the road of releasing these types of features is because as far as I'm concerned, there's in order to win the war of mainstream, you have to win the battle of crypto first. So you have to win over the crypto community and then you can start to go further afield. And at the time when we released Fiber, Anon features were the hot thing. So that was the road that we took. But um, I mean, we're not wanting to replace telepathy or anything of that type. Um, As far as offering zero trust as a service, um, we've signed up the uh, Occupy.net platform and we will be the official transaction protocol for the Occupy.net platform. I see. Now, before we get on to Occupy, because there's been some talk about that, too, uh, I, you know, I want to get straight on that myself and for the uh, listeners. But uh, so Zero Trust is going to be the first offering where it will actually generate revenue. Now, how, how does that uh how, do, how does that work and what is the, the Zero Trust service precisely? Yeah, so, so at release, um, users will not be able to run nodes and they won't be able to earn revenue from running those nodes um, because of some security implications with actually having that, that type of setup. But eventually what will happen is users will be able to run nodes and when anyone does a Zero Trust transaction there'll be an added transaction fee on top of the network transaction fee. And that increased uh, transaction fee will actually be paid out to the users running the nodes. And that's where the revenue is generated from. And and, uh, so Zero Trust would just be ensuring the uh, privacy and integrity of the uh, transmissions? Exactly. So um, with traditional 
mixing services, you have a, a third party and everybody sends their coins to that third party, they're mixed and then sent back out. That's a trust-based system. The problem with that is, like most of these crypto exchanges, if they decide one day to disappear with your coins, there's nothing that you can do. When you send that transaction, you're trusting that they are going to be around tomorrow. And with zero trust, it's completely trustless in that there's no central authority um, that's actually got control of those coins. So it removes that uh, that risk of a, a third-party actor actually disappearing with the coins. So it's a decentralized uh, transmission conduit. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, if anyone wants to um, read any more about it, it uses a very similar concept to Coin Shuffle. Okay. So um, if you just go- literally Google Coin Shuffle, you'd be able to read a bit more about it before we actually uh, release and drop the white papers and some of the more uh, low-level detail documentation. Okay, now uh, the, the, what, the last thing I, uh, I need to ca- uh, cover is this, uh, the, and you brought up Occupy, uh, now, the first thing that bell that r- ranked with uh, the Slack people and their first reactions was concern uh, about uh, is is this the same outfit that is, is uh, the Occupy did the Occupy Wall Street Occupy London uh, movement of about a year and a half ago? Is there any is there any correlation between that uh, group? And those in the Occupy Wall Street groups? There's no actual official affiliation between Occupy and the Occupy spelt with 2C uh, movement. Occupy are basically doing something which is really selfless, and they're just trying to bring digital currencies to non-technical mainstream users that are not even aware of Bitcoins. And they're doing it in a very clever way, in a very familiar package, a Facebook-style social network that everybody's used to using. I mean, Jane, the teacher, would feel happy using a social network. And then, I mean, they've got loads of other bolt-on features. There's going to be Occupy Knowledge, which is going to be basically a learning platform. And it's going to be just based on Bitcoin. So all of the instructional videos, all of the lessons will all be around Bitcoin, rather than actually having them about Occupy Coin or another altcoin and I guess the reason for doing that was to simplify the process. I mean, when you start trying to explain altcoins to somebody that's never heard of digital currencies, they normally get lost. So I find that the easiest way to actually explain it to them is to to get their head around Bitcoin. And then once they've got the concept of Bitcoin, you can actually introduce altcoins to them. And I guess that's what uh, that's what Occupy Knowledge is trying to achieve. And they're, they're, uh, like you say, it's like it's a social uh, media, social networking type of thing. It is indeed. Um, And I mean, our relationship with them was um, I I know quite a few people in crypto. I know quite a few developers and um, somebody reached out to me and just basically said, uh, these guys are attempting this project. Uh, can you help out with some of the uh, high level design? And I did. And I had a Skype conversation with the lead developer, Benny, and he just completely sold me on the idea. And that was the end of it, really. All right. So it, it actually has, it doesn't sound like it has any relation to the uh, Occupy with two Cs. It doesn't, but I mean, they are hoping to bridge the gap between not only the Occupy movement, but 
the activism movement and digital currencies. I mean, there's been a few uh, posts on Bitcoin talk where people have actually said, why is there this big divide between the activism communities and digital currencies when digital currencies is perfect for the activism community? They, they're against central control, therefore decentralization, all of the things that crypto brings to the table. It's just there's that bridge missing between the two entities. I know, and it's an, it's a, it, 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 it certainly does to me, but that's where why uh, I got involved in this uh, radio endeavor because uh, I thought it might be a good way to uh, communicate to the uh, mass media. And, Most definitely. Uh, and uh, activism is, uh, uh, yeah, I'm for that. I'm more of a libertine type guy, being an old flower child from the 60s and 70s. And uh, it, it's just uh, perfect as far as I'm concerned for that, that they meld together so well. And where is that? There's a bridge missing. There's a gap there between the two, the activism part. And I, I, my personal belief is it's because of all of the negative uh, connotations and all of the, uh, the Wild West attitude and the uh, drugs uh, trade involvement and and again all of the uh, the negative press from the the ripoffs and scams from the various exchanges, which will cease to be a problem once decentralized exchanges like Instantex uh, get rolling. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they all probably play a part, and <clears throat> Bitcoin has got some negative press as of late. Well, that's good. Sounds like Occupy's building the bridge from one end and we're building the bridge from the other end. And you guys are in a raft in the middle putting in the pylons. That's the plan. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, it's quite a river to cross. Okay. Anything else you want to add, Uh, Chris? It's been uh, really informative and answered all my questions. I I learned an awful lot, especially about that Occupy and uh, about uh, Fibercoin itself. Uh, so, uh, you got anything else? Can it, so it's in, someone is asking, I can answer that question. Somebody is asking on Supernet radio, can you mine fiber and the proof of work is done, but is, is there a multi pool? There is, there is. All right. And where can they find that? It's a uh, xpool.ca. Okay. And as, as I, I, I believe that, uh, Altnuts.com is added. The Supernet Mining Pool has added Fibercoin this week. They have, yes. So then that's uh, for the listeners out there. That's the only plan. The proof of uh, work stage is over. The only way you can get uh, a hold of any Fibercoin except by buying it on a, on an open exchange now, because that's the only kind there are, are by uh, staking the fiber that you do own or by mining on these pools, and the mining pools are the multi-pools where uh, you uh, aim your miners or rent miners from them, and they mine the most uh, profit, the most profitable coins, and then convert the spoils from those mining endeavors to the various coins, and you can select what the... I know on the multi-pool... Uh, the Supernet multi-pool that altnuts.com runs is uh, you can select Bitcoin, uh, uh, Bitcoin Dark, Opal, uh, VPN, 
and now for a fiber coin as well. So they convert them for you and send you uh, out that. So there's no real mining of fiber that goes on on these mining pools. Exactly, I, yeah. I mean, by mining at the mining pools, you're supporting the markets because it adds buyer pressure. Um, when they're mining those altcoins and they convert them into your current selected payout currency, they're actually buying them on the exchange. So it adds uh, buyer pressure to the market. So it's, it is a really good thing. I, I remember when I first got involved and uh, I was studying up on how Bitcoin works and, you know, the fact that that's one of the problems with Bitcoin and one of the worries is how's it going to be supported for, uh, eventually because it's only proof of work. But uh, and but these uh, these mining pools are were a great innovation. I thought a very clever uh, thing to do in order to uh, support these coins. And again, that's why you want to keep your wallet open in staking. Now, um, how does it, the, the, the another question I uh, had is about, about staking is do uh, will you receive the five percent? Per that five percent is per annum, and if you close, if you have your wallet closed and you open it in uh, once a year, would you get your five percent, or does it have to be open that whole time in order to uh, receive uh, uh, the the benefits of staking? Yeah, exactly. It has to be open, and it's to reward people that are actually running the wallet and securing the network. Okay. That's uh, that's a little different from some of the other staking that goes on. So people out there, if you want to get your staking uh, revenue, you need to keep your fiber coin wallet open, and that's like you say, that's incentive. That'll keep them. That'll keep those wallets open. <laughs> you get you're getting paid. <laughs> so, exactly. All right. All right. What, anything else, Chris? No, that's it for me. Thanks. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, we went a little bit longer than a half hour. Appreciate your your time. No problem. And uh, let me just check and see if I've got any other questions here for the last thing. Uh, no, we covered that, covered that. Nope, that seems about it. Well, thanks an awful lot, Chris. We'll be looking forward to uh, seeing you out on Slack and following uh, Zero Trust and, uh, and, and Fiber and Supernet as a whole and Occupy and all of those things. Sounds great. I have actually got something I want to say before we uh, close out. All right, go right ahead. Um, I can tell everybody that Zero Trust will be released on the t Friday the 20th of next week. Super. So that... This is the first that it's been mentioned. It's not even been uh, announced on Bitcoin Talk or Twitter. We love that on Supernet Radio. <laughs> All right, it's a scoop. Get out there. You know what? And uh, Chris won't say it, but you know what that means? Get out there and buy some fiber coin. I know that uh, I bought some. Uh, it's up around uh, 80000 right now. And prior to the Supernet uh, announcement, it was trading around forty six, forty eight. Yep. And uh, it hit a high of about uh, 109 in the last week, and it's settled in, and it's trading about 80,000 right now. So uh, that's a that's a what's the all time high, Chris? Um, 139,000. Oh, so it's been up as high as 139,000. So yeah, we can, has, yeah, yeah, well, let's get some trading going on that. That sounds that sounds terrific, and. Uh, 
and uh, when you say release, there'll be a, a tutorial and an understanding. Do you, do you plan any, uh, you know, hoopla? There's going to be a parade down to Piccadilly or what? Yeah, there's going to be a parade. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. I mean, our community have been so patient in wait, waiting for zero trust. I mean, it's been in development for the last three and a half months. Um, but they they understand that undertaking a project of this magnitude is no small feat. Um, I mean, creating a transaction protocol from ground up has not been done that many times. So it is quite quite a big feat. And I mean, uh, everyone involved, my whole team should really be proud of themselves. Yeah. Uh, Raganak Rock just announced, he got muted when he announced that. Uh, what he said, Raganak, is that uh, their, their Super uh, Zero Trust is going to be released on the 20th of March. Uh, that's this coming Friday. Uh, Zero Trust, Fibercoin is releasing that. Uh, if you did miss that, uh, and if anybody uh, wants to hear the rest of this uh, or hear uh, missed any part of this interview, uh, in, in about 20 minutes, we'll have this up for replay on SoundCloud. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. You can have the Supernet Radio. It'll be the first one under the archives. You can listen on a replay there. And uh, we actually, uh, it's, it's really crazy. Uh, sometimes our live listenership is only is, is only eight or ten. You know, it's sometimes as low as six or seven. And then when the overnights come in and at the end of the week, we see we get an awful lot of listeners that listen on replay because this is an international thing. This uh, this whole crypto thing, it's this is uh, affecting the entire uh, financial universe. So uh, we just need to translate it into Chinese. <laughs> All right. Hey, Chris, thanks an awful lot for coming on. We appreciate it. If we can do anything to uh, help you out with uh, announcing that uh, Zero Trust will be on top of that, uh, covering that. Uh, maybe we, if you, if you want to, we could cover it live on Friday. Talk to your team and maybe we could get a special, uh, special show there. Yeah, we could do. Okay. All right, well, get in touch with Lutz and all of that, and we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks again Great. for everything. Brilliant. Thanks for your time. All right. Thank you, Chris. Bye, Bye now.